Welcome to the podcast, The Winning Combo, your home for wisdom on marketing and sales success. Featuring your host, Keith Washoe from Research Triangle Park, North Carolina, and Vijay Damojaprapu from Silicon Valley, California. From coast to coast, let the wisdom begin so you can become a winner. Here are your hosts, Keith and Vijay. Welcome to the Winning Combo Marketing and Sales Success Podcast. I am your host, Vijay Damojaprapu from Silicon Valley, alongside my co-host, Keith Washoe in Research Triangle Park, North Carolina. Today, we'll be speaking with Dan Englander from New York City. Dan is the CEO and founder of Sales Schema, a fractional new business team for marketing agencies, and he's also the host of the Digital Agency Growth podcast. Now, previously, Dan was the first employee head of new business at Idea Rocket, and before that, an account coordinator at DX Agencies. And Dan actually actively helps uh, with several agencies who set up campaigns uh, working with leading worldwide brands. In addition, Dan is also the author of Mastering Account Management and the B2B Sales Blueprint. So Dan, we are super thrilled to have you on our podcast and as a more personal way of introducing yourself to our audience, what is your first concert? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what the very first one was. It was probably like Raffi or some kid's thing or whatever, but uh, the first one that I have fond memories of was Jane's Addiction, which is a classic kind of 90s band. It was a Nissan Pavilion in Virginia. That was... Lots of fun. It's a band a little before my time. I'm 33, uh, but it was our, the favorite of, of my friend and, and mine uh, at the time. Nice. Yeah. So for some reason, I'm like, uh, again, some context over here. I grew up in India, so I'm not entirely familiar with the band. But I'm sure you had lots of fun and uh, yeah, uh, it must have been a good experience for you just going and being out there live with a band. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, there's, there's probably others with more international context, but uh, what can I say? I was a bit of a hipster back then, so <laughs> weirder bands and all. Yeah, good stuff. Thank you once again for being here, Dan. And uh, let's not forget our winning combo podcast show co-host in Research Triangle Park, Keith Washo. So Keith, how are you doing today? Doing great here in Raleigh, North Carolina and RTP and very excited to have Dan join us. It's very rare to have an author, a podcast host and a CEO with experience and sales and marketing. So this is going to be a great show. Thank you, Dan, for being here and I'm happy to bring some Raleigh, North Carolina support to the show today. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot, Keith. Uh, and I, I, didn't, I haven't made it to, to Raleigh in a while. I made it to Asheville recently, and that's that's a great great town. It's getting, getting busier and busier. And, and thanks to you too, VJ. really appreciate you guys having me. Yep. Sure thing. So, Keith, do you want to walk uh, Dan and the listeners through the show format and what to expect? Yes, I'm super excited. All you listeners today of the Winning Combo podcast, it's showtime. In our 32nd episode right now, we're going to give you three power segments. First, Dan will start off with a quote that means something to you and him and where it can give you some wisdom very quickly to apply to your life. Secondly, Dan's going to share a personal story, something he's learned from his life, whether it's a success or even a failure that then you can take to utilize for your career. And then thirdly, Dan will close with a best practice takeaway, something he's learned, whether it's a marketing or sales best practice that you can implement to your personal and professional life for good results. So Dan, is that okay? And you ready to rock? 
Yeah, sounds great, guys. Appreciate it. All right, then let's begin. We are starting off now with the Power Quote segment. Here's a moment for all you listeners out there to enjoy a great quote from Dan and learn what it means to him and then ideally what this can mean for you in your life. So, Dan, we're excited for your quote. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I thought of a few. The one I keep going back to and I probably think of about at least, at least once a week is the William Gibson quote, and that's the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed. And I think this one, you know, it comes up a lot. Maybe it's a little cliche, but I think that what I keep seeing is is not so much the effectiveness of new things and constantly kind of like looking over the bin for the next thing, whatever it is, AI, blockchain, et cetera, but more about looking at what's stood the test of time um, or that might have kind of actually proven itself recently in, in other areas than the one that you might have tunnel vision with. And I think that's been you know, really useful in my company, really useful for our clients and, and so on from there. Thank you, Dan, for opening up with this power quote. Can you repeat the quote for us? And uh, just to, as a premise, if you were to say the one thing people should take away and, inter- and how they should interpret this quote, what would that be? Yeah. So the quote again is the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed. And I, I think basically what that means is that there is a lot of effective processes, effective tools, things that are working all over the place that have already proven themselves. And sometimes it's better to look for those um, as opposed to just constantly looking for the new shiny object. So that's that's how we've applied it. Um, and, and to get tangible, you know, to get to a specific example, in our business, I, I've learned a lot from kind of looking at, at, at hedge funds and the way they interact with their clients, even though we have nothing to do with the finance industry. And that's that's helped us. Thank you for that, Dan. I really appreciate that quote. And, and thanks for sharing the interpretation, the bottom line. I, I think the key is, when you're looking at uh, the future and what is available now and where we're going, there are a lot of shiny objects. And as we learned in Silicon Valley in a tech speak, a lot of people will do uh, what's called smoke and mirrors. So over time, you really need to learn what's proven, what's true, and start with first principles of what do we know to be true and what is really happening so you don't get yourself sometimes caught up in shiny pennies or shiny objects that uh, lead to rabbit holes or wrong trails. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Any other perspective on that quote that uh, you'd like to share with the audience? Otherwise, we can toss over for BJ for a question for you. Yeah, not so much perspective on the quote specifically, but more kind of a riff on what you said, which I think is, is really important. And, and that's, you know, there's always going to be incentives to sell shiny objects and shiny objects always always sell better, right? The the sort of idea of, of you know, just, just do this process, just do this thing and it's going to work as opposed to thinking about, you know, what's been effective in another place and how can you kind of reinterpolate that. So I think what what that means and a good way to kind of get better at that skill, I think is to be just drawing from from lots of different places to think in a heterodox way, to be looking at other industries or other disciplines to some extent uh, all the time, basically. Thank you, Dan. I really like how you level set and basically in a way bring to the to the ground, the bedrock of, of how to view things in a very sane way, in a very logical way, because it does require that, especially in, in the technology industry where, with innovation and wondering what's coming next. You, you do want to learn from other industries, what's worked in the past, what's working now, what's proven, so you don't get caught up in the hype. So thank you for sharing that, Dan. Very, very humbling and, and helpful. VJ, what say you? Any questions or thoughts for Dan on the quote? Yeah, so two thoughts uh, that come to my mind, and uh, that's a very apt quote, uh, Dan. I think it applies for, obviously, for folks in sales, folks in marketing, as well as even for founders and entrepreneurs, right? 
especially if I take the scenario of a salesperson, uh, right, always struggling with, hey, do I need to follow up on a conversation that I had last week? Or do I need to, you know what, try out like a video prospecting technique? Or should I just do this new pitch format and a proposal format that some best practice practitioner and expert quoted? Again, a lot of shiny objects over there. Uh, just confusing, uh, but it's always it always boils down to what is the context as well as what do I need to do. And when you're trying new things, give it some time before jumping out of the next thing. It's not that try something today and then try a different technique tomorrow and so on. Right? That that that's what came to my mind, and that's how I would say for the listeners out there who are in sales marketing roles, think of picking one and sticking with it. And the second thought actually uh, that also came to my mind and it actually came uh, from one of the guest speakers that we had is when you're looking at a best practice and if you're trying to model that in your context or in your organization, think about the context of the best practice that worked for that team and take that into account as well, not just the best practice in the technique. Yeah, I think that's that's all really good. That's absolutely true. And, and I think as part of that, you know, there's lots of situations where you're trying to solve a business problem. You know, you're, you're trying to whatever break into a new market or make a sales pitch work and make it effective, and it's not working, and you're kind of beating your head against the wall. And chances are there could be another industry that has figured this out, even if it's in a completely different space. And, you know, what, what's hard for you is easy for them and vice versa. What's easy for you and what's no brainer is complete black magic to lots of other people out there. Um, so, you know, for us in our space, it's meant uh, a, a lot of, you know, a lot of the ad agency world is just now kind of getting up to speed with the sort of enterprise, you know, B2B sales best practices that, that, you know, UVJ or you Keith might, might understand like the back of your hand. So that's a lot of what we're doing is kind of helping people get up, get up to speed on that. So I think that that's always good to keep in mind that the things that, you know, that are seem really hard have been figured out elsewhere. And the things that seem really easy are going to be hard for other people a lot of the time. Yep. Indeed. Well said. Dan. All right, Dan, thank you for this show starting off with a wonderful quote, the power quote. Let's shift gears and go into the power story segment. This is an opportunity for all you listeners here today to listen to a real story, something that's happened to Dan in his life that he can pass on some wisdom for you. So Dan, we're excited to hear your personal story and what it means to you and what you think it could be of help uh, toward the listeners. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I thought of, of, of a bunch of different options and I settled on one that hopefully will, will be more a little more grounded in sales and marketing and business and hopefully be, be more useful for people. So this was maybe about a year ago. And for context, we help ad agencies get meetings with brands. In a nutshell, that's what we do. Um, we do outreach campaigns and so on. And we had this one campaign that was not working. I mean, we were kind of back to beating our heads against the wall, like I was talking about earlier, just trying everything under the sun to get get our client meetings and, and nothing was working. And then eventually we just made one little change to the copy and we referenced uh, an industry event. We weren't even necessarily saying that our client was going to be going to the event or we didn't even know if the people we were reaching out to were going to go. But just mentioning it, kind of opened up the idea that our client could meet his prospects in person in real life. And that's not the only example of this, but that and, and many others kind of led to this, not realization, but something that bears reminding. And 
that's this idea that we like to pretend that us in our B2B space, you know, in our, our kind of business space, even if you're not necessarily in B2B, we like to pretend that this business world of ours is rational and behaves, you know, according to rules. And if only, you know, we can make this beautiful kind of spreadsheet driven rational argument um, that everything's going to work out. And, you know, a lot of a lot of the stuff are, are just sort of like chaotic, little irrational changes um, can often just move the big can, can often swing the biggest doors for reasons that we can't always predict or explain. So I think that that was a really, you know, helpful, helpful story. And, and basically, for me anyway, um, and, and that's something that I always remember when we we're doing these campaigns is that we don't always know it's going to work. And it's probably not going to be the thing that we predict. Well, thank you for sharing that story. I love it because it does go back to the famous quote around marketing and that marketing is an art form. It's not a science. And that to do great marketing, it requires creativity, a lot of testing, and you learn along the journey and then you pivot and change and keep optimizing. So I really appreciated that story. Also about how the fact you can make a couple little tweaks here or there and it can have a world of difference. So small changes can have big results. Uh, so I, I'm curious on this story. Have you seen it now since then? Other occasions where a campaign is not giving you the results you like, and then you make a couple changes on your phrasing or messaging, and you're like, wow, that really did make a difference or anything else that could share on that? Yeah, there's there's a lot of variations on that same idea. And I think that, you know, a, a lot of times, again, we like to pretend that things are rational, but people are making decisions as if they're in a prehistoric tribe, right? So it's like, are you in my world? Are you in the, are you in my tribe? Are you out of it? It's kind of what what a lot of this stuff is getting at. And to get more tangible, you know, other changes that we've made is just the brevity of a message, the tone of a message. You know, there's a lot of things that are sub-communicated that don't need to be communicated overtly. Um, just by how you're talking about things and the sort of message that you're writing, even without any specifics. So for example, the message that your colleague or acquaintance or even friend hammers out to you on his or her iPhone is going to make you react differently than, you know, a, a three paragraph tr treatise on some various service, you know? So even just using stylistic differences like that can, can make a huge difference. Um, and, and probably, you know, onwards from there, There's, it, just, it just keeps going like that, but it never gets any more rational is kind of what I found. I love it. I love it, Dan. Thank you for sharing that. Not everything is rational. Um, it, we are human beings having a human experience and we are quirky human beings. And yeah, sometimes less is more. You can get an image or a jiffy or, an, uh, you know, some kind of animated video that says so much more to you that makes you react and click, for example, than someone writing a perfectly articulated one paragraph sentence or, or a par paragraph that you're like, okay, logically everything is there. I should want to click this, but no, we would click the silly GIF animated GIF that makes us you know, react for whatever reason. So yeah, thank you for sharing that in marketing. We have to be practitioners of creativity. It's an art form. So thank you for that. DJ, anything else from your perspective? Any questions for Dan on that? Love your story, Dan. I mean, great story. And uh, the beauty of it, about that story that you shared, Dan, is not about like a, it was like a huge uh, or lengthy uh, story spreading over a big time span, but it's, it must have taken place, what, maybe across a few days or something. But the observation and the insight that you and your team came up with is profound. 
right? I mean, we as human beings can, yeah, we are at the end of the day very rational, but down at the core, we are very emotional. So it's very, very hard, despite all the market research and even speaking with your customers or prospects and having trying to do all those personal studies and doing everything in a logical manner, you might have the best uh, insight or that's what you think, but then you never know what really clicks, especially if it's like a campaign that you're sending it out there and putting it out on the web or internet or like a big email blast. It's very, very hard for us to predict with confidence because at the end of the day, we're all humans and we don't know how we'll react. Exactly, yeah. And I think that... um this is kind of going a little off topic, but I heard a great kind of remembrance from Conan O'Brien talking about like writing for Saturday Night Live. And he was like, the best funny comes fast. The best jokes are things that just kind of spill out of you. And I don't think that's always true in a marketing context. Like obviously understanding your market and doing research and all that stuff has its place. But I do think that's true to some extent where sometimes, you know, not overthinking it uh, really helps out. And then another thing, we I think we all kind of understand um, from a high level that we need to be creative and that we can, you know, do this or that without templating stuff. But I think it really bears repeating because I, you know, I, I always run into the tendency and, and I see this, you know, a lot in others to work off of some so-called best practice. And I, I, one thing that I've learned is like, you, you really can reinvent the rules and you will really probably understand your market, at least if you've assuming you've been around for a few years, you probably understand your market better than anyone else. So I think, uh, it bears repeating that you you can go off script, you can do things that nobody else has done before, and that's probably what's going to move the needle in the biggest way. So continuing with our whole gray area topic and discussion that we have going here, Dan, clearly you have helped uh, different and big brands out there with sales and marketing campaigns. So can you share for the benefit of our listeners who are like sales and marketing practitioners or someone who is running like a demand gen campaign, what is your advice or insight and how would you approach the finding that right balance between automating and customizing a sales and marketing process? Yeah, I love that question. I think it's a question that's not asked enough because it seems like the push is always just towards more automation, you know, like, and it sounds great. Like it's easy to sell automation. Everybody wants automation. If only a robot could do everything for me, it would be amazing. Um, but I, to, to get tangible, I think that it's worth scaling back the automation as you have kind of mutual skin in the game between you and your prospect, right? So, you know, and from a higher level, um, as, as you're getting more specialized and as you are developing smaller groups of people to target, then it probably makes sense to decrease the automation when you have, you know, something that is, is a bigger total addressable market and something that can work well on its own. Maybe you can go wider. But the trend that we've seen in our space, and we kind of have you know, a bit of uh, tunnel vision because we work with in the agency space, which is different than if we were selling the coolest, hottest uh, tech widget or whatever, um, is we've been going towards less automation over time, which means smaller lists and so on. But I think one thing that's, that could be useful for, for your audience is I think once you have, you know, a personal relationship, once you've had a phone call, so to speak, or, or whatever, then automation t- often can have diminishing returns. And I think that more and more where we're heading 
is a situation of of authenticity where if you are automating, you know, you're not hiding that, you know, just to, to most intents and purposes. So if you have whatever it is, you know, a newsletter, a drip suite sequence and so on, it's not necessarily masquerading as anything but that. So that's that's kind of what we've learned is that, you know, you, once you have that first, once you've built the relationship and you're assuming you're selling a high enough ticket product, um, the automation can can kind of you can kind of turn down that knob. That's that's what we've experienced. Cool. Good stuff. All right. Thank you, Dan, for that. This has been a great show. We've covered now the quote. We've covered the personal story. Now to shift gears and go into the third part of the podcast. This is an opportunity for you to hear a best practice from Dan, something that he does in his life uh, on a regular basis that's helped him achieve some good results that could hopefully be helpful to you and your career. So Dan, do you have a best practice or a tip that you recommend to our listeners today? Yeah. And to, and to kind of ground it a little bit, I think that um, this is really uh, important right now is, is a lot of people are going from working in an office where things are relatively structured to one where they have a lot more control of their time is the idea that, you know, the only thing you actually control is your time. You can't control the outcome of a sales or marketing campaign. Um, the time is the only thing you get. So the, the the main thing that I like to do is if I'm working on something, whatever it is, whether it's content or even just a strategy idea with my team or whatever it is, I want to already have in mind the way in which I'm going to be shipping on this thing, whether that's disseminating it to our audience, you know, like with the podcast, that's pretty obvious, or or even if it's just getting feedback from a colleague or a friend or whatever, there has to be some way that this goes out and ships. Um, it can't just sit there and collect dust because that's just a waste of time. So I think that's that's the, the the biggest insight that I have. And then I could keep going. <laughs> that might be enough for now. I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave it at that. Excellent. I love how you say what you focus on what you can control. That's very helpful to everything in life. That's why the serenity prayer is so important to, to focus on the things you can control and let go of the things that you can't um, in essence. So I'm curious how you applied this best practice uh, on, on a daily basis. Do you have any ways or tips you recommend for people of how you apply this and implement it in your life that people could apply to their lives? Yeah. And I think it is deeply personal. Um, but, but for me, and this is not my invention, I forgot where it came from exactly. I'm going to give my buddy Taylor Pearson some credit cause that's, he's the one that synthesized it to me, but it's the idea of thinking of your time, uh, in different blocks. So you have, you know, you have your maker time, which is going to be the most valuable cognitively demanding time. Maybe if you're in sales, this is building proposals or getting on that demanding proposal call or, or whatever. Uh, if, and then from there you, you have manager time, you know, which is kind of like answering emails, the stuff that might be moderately cognitively demanding, but pretty, pretty straightforward. And then at the very bottom, you have the stuff that doesn't matter. You have like calling up your bank cause they charge you erroneously or, or whatever it is, the stuff that you can do when you're, you're half, half asleep. So I, I think that's a good way to think about it. And, for me, you know, and I think most people, a lot of people, the maker time tends to be the morning, you know, manager time, sometime after that and so on. But a lot of people are night owls and that, that might be different for others. So and, and with that in mind, to kind of tie it back to um, the, the first the first tip that I mentioned, sh- the, the whole shipping thing means just finding a way to like get whatever you're making out there and actually have it prove itself, you know, whether that's a work of art or, or content or an idea or something like that. Um, cause you know, cause the worst thing is, is if what you've created 
never sees the light of day and never actually gets to help anybody or, or move the, the needle in any particular way. So that's kind of um, what that's been super useful to me is kind of thinking in that, in that way. Uh, I think that for me, um, I definitely will ship earlier than some people and there's pros and cons to that. So there's the, you know, there is benefit to being more circumspect, um, but it's, it's overall served me well. Thank you, Dan. I love it. That really helped put it frame of reference around controlling your time and, and, getting it done, getting something out there and let the public jury decide better to get a feedback loop started than to, to not at all. And I liked how you block your time into three segments. I, I never thought of it that way, Dan, you got your maker time, you have your management time, and then you have your like task doing time and the maker time, super important, requires a lot of brain power. So you usually want to get that in the morning. So consider that number one AM and then the management time requires a little bit of brain power, but that's more of emails and catching up on some work things. So that could be done in the afternoon. And then the task stuff, you could do half asleep, so you could do those type of things in the evening, so to speak. So I really like the way you, you framed that out. Thank you for that. DJ, any questions or thoughts for you on, on Dan's um, best practice? Yeah, love that best practice that you shared, Dan, uh, because at the end of the day, yes, we can contemplate and think about and come up with the best campaign or best uh pitch or even the best cold call or cold email script but if you don't put it out there if you don't get it out there and test it you'll never get that feedback and that's something that i've learned and consciously practice i've been doing that for years now and that's something that i tell even to others is yes you can contemplate you can formulate you can think but at the end of the day let the market tell you and let the market communicate as to what they think about how you're thinking about your campaign or approach or product for that matter, right? Test your hypothesis, but for you to test that hypothesis, you need to get it out there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think to, to throw more quotes at your audience, I, another one that I love, and I'm just going to paraphrase it, is the, the Jeff Bezos quote in I think one of his recent shareholder letters, which is the idea of making decisions based on around, you know, 70% information, you know, with the understanding that if you wait for 100%, it's probably, you're probably losing, you're probably paying too much of an opportunity cost. You're waiting too long to make the decision. Um, and I think that that's, you know, more true now than ever and then so on. So I def definitely agree with all that. Yep. It's Jeff Bezos. And I think that culture is even heavily promoted at Netflix. And I'm sure at all those leading brands, it's about that 70% info. Uh, because after that, it's more like the 2080 or 8020. Beyond that, it's the law of diminishing returns. So do as much as you can get your data that will give you even even 70% confidence level is good enough for you to get it out there and take an action. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely agree. All right. Well, thank you for that, Dan. This is great. That concludes the third part of the show. We're now going to give you listeners a great closing summary. This is an opportunity to share with you what we've learned in the show and that we hope you take away. We'll have BJ lead off. I'll share any additional color if needed, and Dan could give the final words. So BJ, what say you? How would you like to summarize what you've learned today? Yeah, the takeaways for me and something that I would uh, want the uh, listeners to take away as well and put it into action are these three things. So first is be wary of the shiny object syndrome. Don't try to do one thing today versus jump onto the next thing next week. Unless you are intentionally doing it, that's a whole different ballgame. But be aware of that whole shiny object syndrome and how it may be affecting you and your productivity. So that's number one. Second, 
is the realization that as much as you want to think and contemplate and imagine that the world out there is very rational, uh, very likely, especially in the marketing and sales world and in the business development uh, folks out there for them as well, right? You never know what's going to click, but uh, you just need to uh, try different things and see what sticks and what works. And along those same lines, the third big takeaway is don't just contemplate, but take action and just figure out and focus on that immediate next step and get that campaign or that call, phone call you've been wanting to make with the prospect. Just do that next step. Thank you, VJ. Good summary. And Dan, I really appreciated how you opened up the show with the quote, the future is here, it's just not evenly distributed. And you really talked about how sometimes uh, things can be affected in life and change can happen through little things that can result in big things. And so I appreciated that. Um, I, I liked also how you made a point in marketing. It's not always about logic and rational. Um, you do think that, that people are like robots. You do A, you get B, but that's not always the case and that little things do matter. And it reminds me of that one quote that Einstein put up on a chalkboard that says, not everything that counts can be counted and not everything that can be counted counts. And we find that through marketing being an art form, not necessarily a science sometimes. So thank you for that. And you mentioned the importance of brevity and tone and how things can be subcommunicated. So sometimes less is more. A simple thing can, can really paint a bigger picture, let people's creativity come into play and think about the context. Getting a text from someone that recommends a product or something versus having a dissertation eight paragraph thing. Sometimes a short little simple th thing from the right source at the right time can be all, all the difference. And then lastly, Dan, I really liked your uh, best practice about controlling your time, specifically how you said you think of it in terms of management blocks. You got your maker time for the morning, you got your management time that you take care of in the afternoon, and then you got your task time that can be done later in the day when you don't need as much brain power. All these things are amazing, and I like also your point, Dan, about shipping. Just get it out there. Let the public jury decide. Don't pontificate on things for too long. It's better to do what you said from Jeff Bezos. If you have 70% 70 70 of the info and data, you have enough to go and make a decision on. Make a decision. Get it out there. Uh, don't overanalyze. Analysis no, paralysis through analysis. Watch out for that one. So Dan, thank you so much. We're going to give you the final word. Anything else you'd like to add or summarize or take away for our audience today? Not much, guys. That was really great. I really, really appreciate the, the tight summary. And I think that, you know, I, if, to boil all that down, I think it's all about sort of uh, trying to get stronger with contending with uncertainty, right? Which is sound cliche now more than ever, right? So I think um, that's, that's all that this stuff is about. And Hopefully it's been useful for some way and I'm still figuring it out too. So go on from there. Well, thank you, Dan, for being on the Winnie Combo podcast. It really was a joy and honor to have you here. It's great to have a CEO, an author, and a podcast host like yourself give great wisdom, especially with your experience in marketing and sales. Really appreciate it. Where could someone learn more about you and your company? Yeah, uh, saleschema.com is the best place. It's just sales as in sales and then schema as in schematic. Saleschema.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Dan. And thank you all for listening to the podcast, The Winning Combo. We hope you enjoyed it and that it's helpful to you and your sales and marketing career. Yeah, thank you so much, Dan. Uh, wonderful piece of advice and as well as a lot of insights and stories. I'm sure the listeners will benefit from all of the 
uh, real-life experiences and insights that you shared. So greatly, greatly appreciate all that you've done and shared here, Dan. And for all the listeners out there, stay tuned for the next show and follow The Winning Combo on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, keep learning and keep winning. Thanks for listening to the podcast, The Winning Combo, your home for wisdom on marketing and sales success. Featuring your host, Keith Washoe from Research Triangle Park, North Carolina, and Vijay Damojaprabhu from Silicon Valley, California. Stay tuned for the next show and follow The Winning Combo on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook for free content and the latest podcast episodes to help you be a winner.